0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast!
1: Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support, protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialized solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, ADAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen ADAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. Adapt. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers.
2: Uh, Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, just while we get everyone sorted and into the space. Um, Stick with us, because we've got a show for you tonight. As you can see in the title, we're talking, at least for some of it, mobile phones in schools. And Tom Rogers has joined us. Hi, Tom. Good evening, Nathan. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm all right. Tired tired and it's monday and that's not a good sign yeah that isn't a good sign it's too early to be tired mate um anyway we have got a fascinating show uh tonight lined up um uh, the main focus of which is going to be all around uh the future of digital school at digital schools digital tools in schools and in classrooms particular reference to mobile phones. Um, Obviously, this is on the back of uh, the news reports last week around the suggestion to ban, the advice to ban mobile phones in the classroom, Um, and the implications of that, but also the implications, I guess, of that on other digital tools and other digital skills and digital provision in classrooms and where that sort of leaves that, if you like. got two guests at least tonight um i've got steve chalk hopefully who will be arriving imminently um to talk about his views on on mobile phones in schools he's been very vocal on on social media about it um he said there is no mobile phones crisis in schools which i thought was interesting and i want to ask him you know a little bit more on that to to see what what his thinking is on that i think he's here now actually um, and, you know, he said that uh, there is no mobile phone crisis in schools. Every school he knows has a wise mobile phone policy in place. Uh, so talking about a ban simply uses up valuable time uh, that should be used addressing the real issues like teacher recruitment and retention or diversity and inclusion, for example. Um, Steve is is about, to, just before you unmute yourself, Steve, it's in the bottom left, by the way, in case you, you don't know how to do it. Um, Steve is the founder of Oasis uh, They run schools, they support housing, youth and family work, local churches. He's a former UN special advisor and he lives in London. Um, Steve, you can unmute yourself bottom left if you can. Hello. I have
3: done. Can you hear me? Yeah, can hear you loud and clear. How are you doing this evening? Very well. I've just got in and this is the first time I've ever used this particular piece of technology. So thank you for guiding me through it.
0: Super not a problem. Um, I was just going to ask you, I've given you a little introduction there, um, the founder of Oasis um, and obviously former UN special advisor. Um, can you tell me one other interesting fact about you that most people wouldn't know?
3: I am the world record holder uh, for being the person who's raised most money ever through running um, a marathon. Anywhere. In fact, I've been the wow. Guinness World Record holder three times. First of all, I raised um, uh, 1.2 million pounds, and in, 19, in 2005, and became the Guinness World Record holder for any marathon wow. anywhere in the world. Then, then Steve Redgrave, the rower, beat my record the next year. And he raised 1.7 million, and so the next year I beat his record and raised another 1.8 million. And then a lot of years went by, and in 2011 I did it again, ran it again, and I raised two million three hundred thirty thousand, and that is the world record to this day. So every year I'm in the Guinness Book of Records.
0: Wow! And is that was that from like individual donations?
3: Yeah, yeah, individual donations. Oh my Um, god. all for use for uh, pastoral work and care through our schools. That's hmm. incredible. Well,
0: that isn't it. I wasn't expecting that. I was thinking like, oh, I
3: like broccoli, you know, or something
0: like that. Like, <laughs> not, not like I, I hold the Guinness World Record for the most amount of money raised from a marathon. That is impressive. I do, look,
3: I do like broccoli. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's it like being a UN special advisor?
3: Well, it's something that I did for eight years. I don't do it anymore. Yeah, but yeah. One of the wings of Oasis, well, I'm partly Indian, in fact fifty percent Indian. Yeah. Um and and so Oasis works in India as well. Has done for a long time since the early nineties. And it was there that I first came across um uh, uh, human trafficking as we call it D- children would disappear from the schools that we were running we set up schools in in slum areas um and and children would suddenly just not come anymore and they perceived um wisdom of the day was that these children had been sent out on the streets by their parents to beg um and that's why they weren't there and slowly we realized this couldn't be the case and um some of our staff said to me, you know, they're being kidnapped, they're being taken. And we looked into it and realised this was true and launched a, a campaign around this in India and back here. And um, slowly that grew. And we. so I developed a whole body of knowledge around this. And eventually I talked to the UN about it. They didn't believe what I had to say to start with. They then came round to that. And they appointed me to that role, which I've filled for eight years. And off the back of it, uh, we launched another Oasis charity, which is called Stop the Traffic. So if you look at Stop the Traffic, you'll find that we work with uh, law enforcement agencies, anti-crime agencies around the world to uh, track down trafficking rings and to uh, bring them to justice and set people free. We've been doing that for 20 years now. Yeah,
0: let's because we've got I know I've got limited time with you. um, So I want to I want to really crack on to sort of why I asked you to come on here, which is, you know, just one sort of tweet that you put out, um, which was last week, I think, where you said there's no mobile phones crisis in schools. So every school I know has a wise mobile phone policy in place. So talking about a ban simply uses up valuable time that should, should be used addressing the real issues like teacher recruitment and retention or diversity and inclusion, for instance. I wondered whether you could like expand on that and sort of tell me what your thinking is on that. Because I think there would be a lot of people, particularly within education, who would probably disagree and, and would say, yeah, there, mm. there is a bit of a, a sort of mobile, I don't know if they call it a mobile phones crisis in schools, but a massive mobile phones problem in schools so i i mean yeah can you can you expand on that there is no mobile phones crisis in schools
3: yeah well i think where there is a problem it's to do with a lack of leadership uh clarity of leadership so we've got 54 schools and they don't all have the same policy some of them are um uh, well some of them we don't like to use the word ban because that's um that sounds penal, doesn't it? It's really talking to a young person about no phones aren't going to be in lessons because um, it will disturb your learning in these ways, et cetera, et cetera, distract you. But it's clear and it's firm. Um, but then I was talking to one of our head teachers who runs an absolutely brilliant school. Uh, for two all the way through to 19 year olds in a really, really tough community. And we run a youth centre there and we even work in the um, the local hospital where we uh, And an, another staff team works with kids who arrive um, as, as a young people who arrive, I should say, up to the age of uh, 22, who've been beaten up, who are drugged or drunk or being stabbed, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the environment we're working in. And she says to me, she said to me just the other week, she said, you know, Steve, I'd never put a ban in place. We allow our children to take their mobile phones into classrooms because they have to learn how to handle a phone and how to be in charge of it and how to manage it instead of their it managing their lives and we have a policy and she said it works brilliantly but what is that policy um, well um, I did I can't tell you in detail as she could tell you if she was on, the, yeah. on on this call now but she she's a stunning head teacher in every regard and she said I want... I think the thing I can uh, say say to you it uh, is is simply this Roger that Tom, what? Uh, Tom. You're Tom and not our oh, Tom and not. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> right. OK. Sorry, Tom. It's all right. On. Uh, are Sorry. you Tom Rogers? That's my name. Ah, <laughs> got it now. Tom. <laughs> so so I think the thing I can say to you, I was talking with a group of um, our senior education, central educationists, just the just this morning. Actually, we had a meeting together and they were saying it's our job to help children manage digital media yeah. and do it well because they're a great threat from it uh, phones aren't wrongly used in schools at least not in schools i know and i'm not just speaking for oasis schools i'm interested you received you know feedback from teachers who said they see it differently because the massive response that i got from union leaders and from uh, senior head teachers across the country was Thanks, Steve, for saying that. Thanks, Steve, for saying that. Was that, we've was that got got in? Good yeah, was that
0: in the replies or in sort of DMs? Yeah, or...
3: yeah, in their replies, their tweets yeah. to me, little emails to me. Yeah. I, you know, um, of course, I kn- I know some of the union leaders and senior yeah. educators around the country, and I didn't get one person who responded to me saying, "You don't know what you're talking yeah. about. It's yeah. out of control." So I think that our task, of course is to equip young people to use digital technology because without that, they're not going to get very far in the workplace. And the abuse of digital technology happens outside school, not inside school. So you, you might ban your phones and some of our, our senior leaders do, to use your terminology, Tom, ban phones. They're just not used and left outside of a classroom. Mm. But the point is, the minute they get out your front door they 're going to be back on those phones. So, what are we doing to prepare our young people for that world and to help them stay safe in that world?
0: Would there be the argument though to say that it's sort of good to protect um children from that world until you know they 're a bit older or that you know they're a bit older and wiser if you like to the sort of uh, extremities of like what is on the phones and what is accessible on the phones or or would you sort of with the argument you've made that you know they they need to be around them and they need to hold them and they need to be on them to to understand what they're going to be like for the future
3: well, they've got to be they, they they they've got to learn how to use this wonderful t- technology wisely and well hey when when i went to school there was no internet But I remember when I was in, I was in primary school because I remember when it happened. So perhaps I was in what we call year five or year six, probably year five. And I stood, it was a wet playtime because there was this old shed that we used to stand under. I mean, it's a huge shed. Um, It was, you know, it's a covered play space. You know, effectively. And my friend in my year, John Dean, his name was out of his pocket. He got the centerfold of um, of a porn magazine. Mm. So these were lurid pictures of 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 a a woman's body, up close pictures of of, um, you know, parts of a woman's body. Yeah. And he stood around laughing about it and everybody did. So, you know, mobile technology is the current latest social media. The social media of that day was just print. And what I needed was a moral framework in which to operate, which allowed me to understand what was good for me and and bad for me and what was what was honourable to a woman and what wasn't. And fortunately, that was given to me. What I'm saying is you can't protect any child from digital media. Mm. What we should be doing is preparing them for a world that's full of digital media. I am not saying that, that phones should be used in classrooms you know, rampantly, I'm saying that every good school leader has a good policy in place, which will be bespoke to that school and that community. I mean,
0: just to sort of throw in a few bits there, which I'd love you to, because that was really interesting, sort of what you what you said there, and I'd love for you to sort of respond to these. So Tom Bennett, who is obviously the, the government's um, behaviour advisor, said um, some people say, oh, but most schools ban phones already. Not quite. Lots of them have policies, but many of them aren't enforced consistently. Lots of staff ignore it. um, And that's an example of what I call a misbehaviour policy. When you have a rule, uh, no one upholds. And then in sort of the replies to this, um, somebody said, you know, that doesn't match with my experience. Is there any data to back this up? And he said, I've no idea, but I've now been to about 800 schools in the UK and that's my consistent experience. Um, And yeah, I, th- I think in the other comments he ha- he, you know, he's, he's made very clear that he does see mobile phones as a, as a, as a really sort of big issue. Um, that's one sort of point that I'll, I, I would love to hear your response to in a moment. Um, just before I ask you on that one, um, I think it would be a great time for me to say a big thanks to Adapt, who sponsor this show, and you can actually find out more about them at the top of this space. The, there's a little pinned message there where you can click through and find out more about Adapt. Um, they're not your typical union. They offer legal advice, 24-hour support for teachers, um, and you can find out more about them by visiting their website. And further to that, if you're interested in a subscription to ADAPT, you can get 10% off a subscription, um, either annual or monthly, by using the code TTR, annual or TTRMONTHLY. Now, Steve, I also, apart from what Tom Bennett said, I also wanted to put to you Uh, The findings from from some research on mobile phones and in this particular research, which was done by somebody called Thornton and company um, Mm -hmm. in a paper called Social Psychology. They found that the mere presence of a mobile phone in a room led to a 20 percent reduction in attention, concentration and performance in tasks that were demanding and complex, ones that students had to think hard about. It found that students perform worse in these tasks, regardless of whether they could see their own phone nearby or someone else's. So in other words, if a phone was on a desk, but out of reach of the student, they would still perform worse, given Mm. the fact it's there, because they'd be thinking about using it, I presume. And the third point, this reduction in performance was found to be true, regardless of the student's gender, age, how much they normally use their own phone, or how attached they said they felt to it related research found that there were wide-ranging costs of excessive mobile phone use um, in you know in psychological research there's been lots of things linking it to worse grades linking it to higher levels of stress and anxiety and fear of missing out you know how how do you sort of respond to that research because based on what you said a few moments ago you're broadly in favor of mobile phones maybe not in class, but certainly in and around school?
3: I'm in favour of clear policies which help um, uh, young people deal with the fact that they live in a digital age and learn to handle their phones well as much as I had to learn to handle print media well. I'm not suggesting for one minute that uh, uh, students should... You know, be sat there with their phone in the uh, phone on the desk and texting or WhatsApping or you know uh, etc. Using Instagram, which I'm told I was told yesterday evening by a bunch of teenagers now going out fashion. Uh, but I'm not suggesting any of that. And some of our schools do have a strict ban, but not all of them. And the one that you um, I mentioned, where my head teacher says to me, I would never ban mobile phones unbelievably, perhaps to to you, Tom, in the light of all this research is it's one of the best performing state schools in the country. And it takes children through from the age of two to the age of 19 um, and on into university, etc. It's up there with the best performing schools in the country and yet has not banned mobile phones. So, I, I, You know, they, there's research and research, isn't there? Normally, research tells you what you wanted it to tell you before you you put the data in. I'm, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't believe everything you read in terms of data, but I do think that every school needs to have a clear policy. And if people are reporting back that there are policies in place that are, are not up, being upheld, then that's a failure of of leadership isn't it in that school Mm. and team
0: yeah no i I understand that but i
3: I suppose what i'm getting
0: at is, you know i think you've either you it's sort of when it comes to mobile phones i think it's either you're sort of generally in favor of them being in classrooms and schools or generally not in favor um so i think from from what you're you know i don't want to put words in your mouth but i think from what you're saying you are generally in favor the... No,
3: no, 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 no! You that is okay. putting words in my mouth. You see, what I'm saying is that every child lives in a world where they have to handle digital technology, and surely a part of a 21st century education is not to put our head in the sand and say, "Well, we just we just leave that to someone else." You have to tackle this subject. Now, you may uh, say to children that in this school, phones will not be brought into a classroom and I want you to leave them all at reception every morning and you pick them up on the way out. And some of our schools do that. Mm. Some of our schools do not choose that as a policy. Mm. It is incumbent on all of our schools that children are paying attention during lessons, but also that we are helping them to cope and handle and manage a world where the moment they get their phone back, and they're wandering home. They can be bombarded by all sorts of messages. How are we giving them guidance to know how to deal with that? The thing that I've not said, uh, simply because it's not come up in the discussion yet, is that what we did as I this at the beginning of the lockdowns is we invested in 35,000 iPads. Um, We are told by Apple, because we had 32,000 students and we bought iPads for many of the staff as well, Um, but we invested in those to use in the classroom and to take home. So it's a gift from oasis to every child it's not because we've got extra money by the way we just get the same general annual grant as anyone else it's about how you manage all that money we believe that did the digital aspect of education is very important mm. and by giving children a um, an ipad one you can police it and control it two everybody sees the same stuff three they can continue learning at home whether it's a lockdown or not and use it every night as they do and 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 it also gives you this link with their parents so um parents evenings we of course still do but parents can talk to us through those ipads Mm -hmm. on any and every day of the week and and they can and they can see how their child is um, is progressing in any subject. So that's a good use of digital technology. But of course, it means that you don't need to be using your phone in a lesson for digital learning because this iPad's sat there.
0: But Steve, one thing I would say is, you know, yeah, I, I do totally understand the argument you're putting across. I really, genuinely do, and I. I I do think that, you know, it is absolutely important that, that children, you know, do have access to digital tools, etc. However, you know, when you think about someone like Bill Gates, who is obviously, you know, a tech guru to the extent that neither of us will ever be, somebody who understands te- the technology that's being created, understands the importance of technology, because his company is a technology company, um, In obviously Microsoft, he said, that his children were not going to be allowed to own their own phone until the age of 14. Um, And he said, quote, we often set a time after which there is no screen time. And in their case, that helps them get to sleep at a reasonable hour. Mm. And he he stopped them having access to a phone full stop until at least the Mm. age of 14. And then I think after that, he then limited and restricted access. Mm. But I mean, you're suggesting that's the wrong approach.
3: No, what I'm suggesting is that not every parent is Bill Gates. <laughs> so, yeah, so but that, surely, that that, mat- surely it
0: matters, though, that Bill Gates, as somebody who really, truly understands digital technology and, and, and phones and the power of technology, surely it matters that someone as influential as him would say that.
3: Of course. I'm sure that Bill Gates would also well, teach his children... Don't take drugs. Don't hang about on street corners. Don't get groomed, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Don't smoke. I hope you mm. teach them all of those things. Mm. What I'm saying is that's not the real world that we live in for many children. Mm. Mm. No, I mean, and, and so well, where no, do you I mean, it's it's start? Obvious, it's do you so... start with where you want the world to be, or do you start with how the world is? And the real lives that these children live. Oasis runs schools which are in uh, socioeconomically deprived communities, um, where um, there's there's huge threats uh, to, uh, in many cases, to their to their well-being and their safety in communities around them. I am not an advocate of mobile phones, please let me say that again. I'm trying to say that in any way I can. Mm. What I'm saying is we have to deal with the world in which children live and prepare them for that. And I trust our head teachers. We're a team. Yeah. I trust each head teacher in each one of our schools to who all understand that to, to have an appropriate policy in place. Some of them say, all phones should be left in reception every morning and picked up at the end of the day. Not all of them choose to take that pathway. Yeah, I,
0: I understand. I mean, every school is going to be different.
3: Every school in the country is
0: going to be different on this. I suppose, from my perspective, I was interested in in your, you know, your sort of personal views and approach, which is coming across, by the way. I understand what you what you're sort of arguing for. I guess there would be those who would say, yeah, okay, Steve. We understand that you want the student that you want children to get used to the technology they're going to be exposed to. But, Steve, you know, they might say, uh, but what about TikTok? What about bullying on Snapchat? What about bullying what the 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 device of the phone can be a vehicle for for things that, you know, it would be better if if they could be avoided. So therefore, you know, this idea of yeah, false- but-
3: Tom, yeah. Tom, I just don't see how any of that's got anything to do with school, where a phone, if it is present, is going to be allowed simply because the head, that head teacher, decides that this is a great way of helping a child resist the temptation to spend their life looking at a screen and avoid some of the dangers. I totally, absolutely, we know about the uh, the dangers of TikTok. Those start after school. So you can be the strictest head teacher in the world. It's the moment you return the phone to the child that that happens. And I'm sure you understand that as clearly as I do. So I, I agree with everything you're saying, mm. but that has nothing to do with a good, solid, um, transparent, and clear mobile phone policy. In schools, which will vary. By the way, yeah. I am told by my friends who are teachers' union leaders yeah. that it's beyond the power of the Secretary of State it for Education yeah. to insist on this anyway. So the whole argument becomes: you see, it's a but just I think, I think people, yeah no but no, rather, we, than, rather than it doesn't it doesn't because the, because as right? you've
0: said there are some Robert? but as as you said there are some people that you work alongside who who would say. I don't think we want to ban phones. I think we want uh, mm. phones to be used in classrooms and 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 in mm. school. There, there are heads, there are people you work with who believe that, and I think and, and you back those people. There are other people who would say that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, that's hey, that's, yeah. that's the debate I'm having. Is you know, and I'm yeah, trying yeah. to ascertain that. I think what you're saying is you're happy with with that with that approach if that's what they want to do. And I'm saying I, that there are other people out there who would say that is not a good approach.
3: Yeah, yeah. And and that would be a debate, as I suppose I've made, made clear through what I've said, amongst our head teachers. They mm-hmm. will take different views. The thing is, are you going to try to centrally control all of this? Or do you actually trust the people that you've asked to lead your schools? Um, mm-hmm. And I think we're in a position where we trust those we've asked the lead to lead. And it's, it's not just a head teacher, is it? It's a senior leadership team taking these decisions uh, together and monitoring a policy which, if they don't think is working, are likely to change that policy. The, the truth is, I'll say it again because it's the fundamental point, Everybody worries about TikTok and, you know, et et cetera, et cetera, Um, that that, the the terrible racist, misogynistic, sexist uh, influences that there are on social media. You do not protect a child from that. By taking their phone away from them in a classroom, though many of our schools do, I disagree you with that, no, child I, from I mean, that. I would actually you... disagree with that. I think you protect mm-hmm. them from
0: that in that moment at that time, of course, they... you
3: do. But it's not, it's not in <laughs> no one's going. no one's looking at Andrew Tate in a maths
0: lesson, that well, no, sometimes not.
3: they and, can be and, if phones well, are allowed. You're...
0: If phones well, are then... allowed in classrooms, okay. as, as you so... said, then sometimes okay. they can have a phone under the table and they might be watching Andrew table. I,
3: Tom, I, I, Tom, I don't know how many classrooms you go in, but if you're in your classroom, if you are a teacher, that's what's happening. But, uh, you know, you need to give yourself a good check. Don't you? I mean, there's a kind of that is not happening. Um, and if it is happening, it's something that needs, needs to be dealt with. And it's because of the corrosive influence of um, of social media that every child needs to be well-equipped as to how to deal with these things. And it, you say you can protect them from this in that moment. Well, if that moment is a science lesson or a geography lesson and you're protecting them from that, you're not teaching a very engaging lesson, are you? Um, well, our task is, to protect our, our pr- task is to protect them from that at 3.30 or 4 or whenever it is, they, they leave school. In In a child's life, they spend, in a child's year, uh, they spend 20% of their time in school. And that's if they come every day without fail, that the school's open because they're big holidays. If they attend every breakfast club and every after-school activity and every summer or half term or holiday activity, if you add it all up, it still amounts to less than twenty percent of their time. The question is what are they doing for the other eighty percent of their time, and how are we uh, helping them manage that and protect them from that? I, th- I think I've got nothing more to say about it than that yeah and, and head teachers and senior leadership teams need to choose the wise way. Forward. And I think the reaction, I don't know who you've been talking to, but the mass reaction, as I'm sure you know, from teaching staff around the country was, What is this Secretary of State talking about? Of course we have these policies in place. So if anybody on this call or you know of schools that don't have good policies in place, well, then perhaps you need to put together a paper for them to help them with it. But I I can't say anything more than that yeah
0: that's fine i mean i think as i say i think there will be people who would maybe disagree with some of the things you said i would disagree with the implication that you can't have an engaging lesson without mobile phones in it
3: or, or I, oh I, no, I just... no 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 i did i didn't say that but... oh well i've got to go in this... up. I've, I've got to go in a minute actually <laughs> but i didn't say that i said that we provided um of course you can have an engaging lesson without mobile phones in it I don't, I don't think I've said that. I've not said that at all. What I've said is that, well, I won't even say it again. You know what I've said about preparing kids for the use of mobile phones. And you know what I've said about our use of iPads as an educational tool. Yeah. But I've not said at any point that you can't have an engaging lesson without a mobile phone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it was just a bit, you know.
3: I I disagree.
0: I think the bit, the sort of implication mm. that that if a child is using a phone under a table in a lesson, then you can't be doing your job very well as a teacher. I disagree with that. I oh, think that so. We we do
3: have a disagreement about that because I stand by that. Blimey. open your eyes, take a look around. You know, engage the class if the class are engaged really. that wouldn't be happening you but, can have a very you can have a very engaged class yeah. of 30
0: plus students and you can always have one student who for whatever reason Besides, if, if you have a policy where yeah. phones are allowed, who who might try and use that yeah, phone? And you, I don't think that's any and reflection. If you've got,
3: on... And if you've got a policy where phones aren't allowed, you can have a very disengaged child as well. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So we're, I we're think, confusing yeah. things. I yeah. must go. Anyway, Steve. I, I, yeah, I must go. I think yeah. it's a thank great you so discussion. Much for on. No, no, thank you. Thank you for having me, Tom. It's been great talking. Brilliant report yeah. chat.
0: Thanks very much. Thanks indeed. a lot.
3: Bye. Thanks Bye. a lot. Cheers, Steve. Bye.
0: Okay, we've got Glynn on now. Glyn, if you want to unmute yourself, Hello. good evening. Good evening to you. How are you? Listening? I'm good, thank
2: you. It was great listening into that uh, with uh, Padre Steve. There, that was really good.
0: Yes, absolutely, um, and a very robust conversation. It must be said. Um, do you? Do you? Was there anything in there that you? I know you listened to the whole of that. I mean. Is there anything in there you agree or disagree
2: with? Uh, I, I, th- I think it's just on the nuance of a uh, an engaged class. I think for those of us that are out of the classroom uh, more often than those of us that are in, uh, it really is difficult for us to keep making these sort of broad statements. We, I think I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more towards your view of it. You can have 28 kids absolutely engaged, heads down and working, and you could still have one kid on a mobile phone. That does not mean the lesson's not engaging it means the kid's distracted and, and you know, and, and the pull of the mobile phone. Well,
0: I, dis- I think Steve disagreed with that. Steve was saying that, you know, that if that happens in a class, that there must be a problem with the teaching, the lesson can't be
2: engaged. Well, I, well I, you know, I can, see, I can see his point of view, but I, I, I do think the pull of mobile phones and social media is such that, well, we, we know it ourselves. Look at us as adults. We too are <laughs> infected by that small screen. Um, And I think, you know, that's why certainly our school, we've we've not allowed mobile phones because we don't want any distraction in the classroom. I don't want my teachers who are highly qualified, committed people having to deal with mobile phones. That isn't right for the children. It isn't right for the staff. It builds in the opportunity um, for uh, adversity between the pair. And that's not good for anyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk talk us through your approach in because you're a head teacher in in Manchester. And I have to ask you about your ceilings first, Clint, because <laughs> the, the last time we spoke on here was over a year ago and you were, it was a while ago, it might have been even more than that, and you were basically like, your office had buckets in it and you, you, you know, you, I'm exaggerating. But no, no, you know, no, you're not, you're not, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you you basically, your school building was falling apart.
2: What's the latest? Number? Well, you're pleased to know that it's, it's still the same. Um, we're now into year, Is yeah, it? into year 15. Uh, Of the building's life, uh, uh, with countless iterations of repairs having taken place, none of which have actually uh, fixed the issue. So whilst I'm absolutely sympathetic to all of our colleagues who are affected by RAC, uh, forgive me, there is a bigger club of of PFI schools who face problems day in, day out, without any resolution. Wow, mate, that is... That's
0: great. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: (laughs) when it it rained last week, I think we had about 36 leaks affecting six classrooms and 14 separate um, areas of the school. So, you know, there's not many spaces that you you don't come across a leak. but the kids and the staff are so great with it now that they they sort of just are so used to it, they move around them. But uh, we keep fighting, which is, you know, what we've got to do, isn't it? You know, the children deserve better. Do you think there
0: is a crisis when it comes to mobile phone use in schools? No
2: or not. Of all the opportunities that the education Secretary had, Mm -hmm. she could have engaged with us on that platform in a huge way, giving confidence to us, saying, we recognize this, we recognize that, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And instead, we get get an announcement that's been pulled out of the hat every year for the last eight years. Uh, And I don't believe it's one of the things keeping senior leaders or teachers awake at night. What it is is the recruitment and retention, the funding of special needs, the lack of uh, stability in in, uh, in the direction of educational policy? We, we are we are so lacking in clear leadership in that area.
0: When you say sort of a it'd be nice just to touch briefly on. I, mean, I say briefly because we talk about it all the time on TTR, but on the issue of recruitment and retention for a moment. Um, what, you know, in the last, since we last spoke, which was I think was about 18 months ago, it was a year, 18 months ago on here. Um, obviously, you've been through probably a couple of cycles of recruitment since that conversation. Is it as bleak as it has ever been? You know, what is your rate of application per teaching job that you advertise?
2: So we've, we've got some what I'd like to think are pretty good jobs out there, uh, not just the standard sort of entry teacher level job, but jobs that come with responsibility and, uh, uh, and opportunity. Um, uh, I've got an assistant head teacher post out at the moment um, for attendance and I've had four applications and two of them are internal. Normally, when I first became a senior leader, we'd be looking at 15 to 20. So I think, I think there is a challenge um, and I think we, we are not yet seeing the full extent of that challenge. Mm. I mean, is
0: there anything that's happened in the last two years that's given you hope when it comes to recruitment and
2: retention? Oh, lots, lots. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean. F- firstly, you know, the, the, the people who are leaving um, ITT courses now—they know what they're coming into. That's not bravery; that's courage. they they, they are saying, "Yeah, I know it's bad. I know it's tough, but there's something about this job that means it's more than a job to me, and I want to go into that that sector and make a difference." That's that's fantastic. Equally, what gives me great hope is the fact that. I think the education community is absolutely united on that that issue of things have to get better. For, for For the government to have all four major teaching unions aligned on recruitment and retention says how vastly wrong we are at the moment, uh, and therefore there must be hope that better things will come. Because if we don't share that that belief, if we don't really believe that one man or one woman with an idea can change the world, then, then we are promoting the idea that our young people will face adversity and it will get worse than, and I don't believe that's the right message.
0: Mm. Let's move on to, to the mobile phone thing, because that was a really interesting discussion with Steve, because I want to broaden it out as well into sort of digital tools as well and, and how you see them. So in, in your school, you're obviously a head teacher, um, you know what's your policy well i want to ask you twofold number one what is your policy on mobile phones
2: and number two what is your general view on mobile phones so our, our policy which has been in existence for over 10 years now is that they're not to be seen or heard in school uh, if they are we want a no conflict resolution for that issue and therefore uh, if they are seen or heard 99 percent of the time the child will hand over the phone it gets taken to a secure safe in, in the school and it's handed back to the child at the end of the school day and that's the end of the matter uh, if they refuse that is escalated and there's a sanction and parents are called because we want no disruption to learning however we acknowledge though that there is a time and a place when children need to use mobile phones as part of a learning opportunity but we program that in as we would do when you program in other activities like you know taking to the swimming pool you know the, it, it should not be so unclear or grey for the young people that they, they feel as though they've been led down the, the, the garden path. But equally, it shouldn't be so out of sight that they don't understand the risks and dangers uh, involved in such devices. But it has to be well managed.
0: So do you have specific time or curriculum time where the students have their phones? Yeah, exactly. yeah, we,
2: we have uh, events across the year uh, and they're well-publicised events to make sure that parents and students understand what it is. But uh, equally, you know, I have to be up front as well and say that not every child has a mobile phone. Let's be frank. I know it's easy for scientists to say that they do, but many of them don't. Many parents now actually are seeing that the benefits of their child not having a super duper um, uh, smartphone. They might have a mobile phone for answering calls, but nothing else. And so what we've got to try and balance is the fact that many schools do have ICT rich environments. You can teach online safety and mobile phone safety without having a mobile phone. Because, you know, let's be honest, there is more than just the Apple iPhone. There are many, many different versions of phones. Uh, and we don't teach children all the, to, to use all those different phones. We use, teach them about the principles of how to use it safely. Uh, and we do use curriculum time for that.
0: By the way, um, this is a wonderful conversation and we're going to dig deeper into it. But um, if anybody else wants to join in in the conversation, you can just click the little icon in the bottom left hand side, the little blue icon. Um, click that uh, to request to speak so if you have a view on sort of mobile phones in schools in classrooms and you know do you think they should be sort of banned outright even though government can't do that if they could do it would you be a supporter of that or would you be saying as sort of Steve uh, was saying that it should be down to individual heads and actually you know um, he was saying he knows successful schools where there are you know it's just a blanket. You are allowed phones um, in in sort of in the school type thing, um, and you know he says there are examples of those schools that, that that are very successful. So it would be lovely if you have a view on any of that. Um, click that little icon bottom left. Join myself and Glynn in this conversation. You'd be you'd be more than welcome to do so. And um, just while before we move on would be another good opportunity for me to give a massive shout out to our sponsor on the show tonight that is adapt if you haven't heard of adapt click the link at the top of this space um which we've pinned um and you can see the adapt logo in there adapt isn't your typical teaching union they can offer you legal support they can offer you advice they can offer you on tap mental health and well-being support um We've met Alistair on TTR, the, the CEO, fantastic guy. Um, well worth checking out. And if you do like what you see when you do check out Adapt, you can get 10% off uh, an annual or monthly subscription with them, um, which is more cost-effective than most uh, memberships of a similar form. Uh, 10% off, just use the code annual. Or TTR monthly to take advantage of that. As I say, it's pinned at the top of the space. If you want to find out more, um, so Glenn, yes. In terms of digital tools in general, how do you see the future of digital tools in classrooms? Like, do you, you know, with the emergence of Chat GPT, with the emergence of, you know, things are accelerating so fast. Like, I'd be interested when it comes to AI. Like,
2: what's been your school response to AI? Um, ooh, that's a big one. Uh, I mean, I think uh, AI undoubtedly gives us so many benefits. I think we've really got to engage. And I do believe the government put something out today, actually, asking for people to um, get involved in some trials around AI and also to do some trials around hacking, which is really interesting that we're moving into the space whereby uh, even government acknowledges in education that this is a, an opportunity and risk balance to take place mm-hmm. um i i've certainly used chat gpt um and i've got to be honest with you i found it useful for things like writing a standard letter and getting a, a scaffold for it you know you put in the, uh, the the basics of what you want the uh, the letter to be and it will spit out something that's fairly usable but then needs personalizing but actually that really helps me get more done if i'm going to be frank um and, and i and i found that very useful i think where where we've got to go in education is understand that Yes, there's all of the, 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 the risks around plagiarism, but but ultimately that's always existed. It's just coming in a different form. So we have to evolve and adapt with it. And I go back to the point that I'm not so sure that terminal exams in a, in a summer uh, in a sports hall are necessarily the best way to do, assess children uh, after five years of learning. So I hope we shall see.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of potential, isn't there, with, with AI in terms of like... I mean, I know the government have mentioned this many, many times about like AI and workload and they're sort of pinning a lot of sort of hopes on it when it comes to reducing teacher workload. Like, do you share that hope in it or do you see that as like, "Mm, that's a bit sort of misguided, that that could be a a real thing? I
2: mean, I'm I'm struggling to see how they will at scale improve workload. And that that might be my naivety and and lack of, of innovation in my mind. Schools now are so nuanced with their curriculum. It's unique to every school. We have to defend our curriculum. We have to defend our assessments. and Therefore, I'm not so sure how a a, a one size fits all assessment booster or whatever it's going to be to take marking away from teachers is going to help. And I've got to be honest and say, I'm not so sure my teachers would want to lose the diagnostic approach of marking themselves. That's how they know the children. That's how they get that relationship with the child because they see the individual journey rather than just the data. And yes, I'd love to reduce the um, the, the amount of time that they have to do that, but that's part and parcel of the, of the curriculum and teacher management of it. So I'm yet to be convinced that AI is going to be the um, panacea that, that perhaps the government hopes for.
0: Do you think that, I mean, Steve there was talking about sort of that, the, you know, they rolled out a big, like, iPad program and, you know, obviously, like, Sort of the embracing of digital tools. I mean, do you think that if a teacher doesn't embrace technology, it's more difficult for them to be
2: a good teacher? Ooh, <laughs> I'm not too sure. I, I think some of some of the um, some of the most effective teachers I know can just take a sheet of paper and a pencil and make a, an amazing lesson from uh, their skill and craft of teaching. Um, but equally, I've seen some phenomenal uses of technology to enhance learning. I think it's about the teacher understanding what the needs of the children are. You know, so, for example, we, we, we do talk about um, technology making a difference uh, in schools, but for some children, I do think it, it's a barrier. I think for their, for their sensory needs or for their, um, their own uh, uh, learning approach, it, it can be quite overstimulating for some. To have a, a, a big screen to stare at, as well as a teacher talking, as well as a book in front of you, so I think there's a balance to be struck from it, and that's where I actually agree with Steve, and um, that each head teacher and each group of teachers need to decide on a policy that works for their children, um, rather than a being a yeah. blanket one.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I sort of, you know, personally took that point on board, and I, I do understand that. Um, I mean, within your sort of peer group of, of like heads and, and and leaders, how many would you say have a policy that allows mobile phones in like the school? I, I don't know. I Do don't have I...
2: any. I don't know of any. Yeah, know. and and that's not to because but... I need yeah. to
0: find I need to find who Steve was referring to because I want to speak to that head. Yeah, and and
2: <laughs> and that's absolutely fabulous that they've got a school that can yeah that, can manage if that, that. works yeah, brilliant. Then
0: then. I, I think there will be those who would be sceptical and would say that it might work on the surface to have mobile phone use everywhere. Um, but, and, and and I don't actually, you know what, like, I mean, this is something I've written about before in terms of the link between exam results and what the teacher does or what, you know, how the lessons are taught. I mean, I, you know, I see environmental factors, hereditary factors, you know, there's lots of research. I did a show on this a couple of months ago on TTR actually about, um, I don't know if you caught it, but it was about like um, uh, exam results. Mm. And it was around the time of exam results day. And it was about, it had Robert Plumman on it and Dylan Willem and all these Mm. other people. Mm. And the big thing that came out of that for me, it just reaffirmed my sort of views that, you know, we do attach probably a lot of weight to the link between, teacher quality and student exam results now we could easily do the same thing when it comes to phones like I don't believe that having a school where lots and lots of mobile phones are around would necessarily you know like if you've got smart you know like children with high attainment in the school like I don't believe that having phones in it would would suddenly result in like a 50 percent fall in, in exam results like I don't believe that I just think like if anything, it might help some, it might not help others. The bit I would worry about is more on the on the behavior side and more on the on the pastoral side of what they're accessing on the phones when they have access to them. and yeah, and how that is controlled and yeah, moderated. I don't know, but maybe that's just me being really paranoid and worry no, I, th- about... I think I think
2: you're, you're probably right, and I think that's where I come at it from really is is when, when my staff come into work every day they, they really should just be teaching you know that that's what the job title is teacher and yet they deal with a plethora of other issues so brilliantly but there are some issues that if i could i'd love to remove and mobile phones was one of them the, the, the impact of mobile phones now that's not to say that the pastoral team daily don't have to have conversations with young people about what they put online uh, about another young person, because we, we live in a very fast and fluid environment. And particularly today, that's been really, really difficult. You know, um, 33% of my community is, is British Muslim, uh, and, and they're hurting today as much as some of our, 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 our children from other faiths as well, from what's going on in the world. And they want to share that hurt via social media, which then brings yeah. in all of those other problems. And I need to help them see and equip them with the ability of sharing that hurt and those concerns and that want of of care for those individuals facing such challenges in a way that doesn't result in them being hurt too. Uh, and if I can remove that from things that my teachers have to do and my learning support assistants have to do, then that means they're more effective. And that, that that's something that we, we're really keen on. That's something that I, I took from uh, um, listening to uh, Sir Clive Woodward when he talked about the England rugby squad about Removing the critical non-essentials, uh, you know, and, and mobile phones is a critical non-essential for us.
0: Um, just out of interest, you know, you mentioned sort of the really tragic events in the last few days. You know, um, what has been the the sort of reaction on the ground, if you like, in 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 the school? Is it is it been a sort of you know? Because I know some commentators have said this is like for, for you know for many people it's sort of nine eleven sort of shockwaves type thing? I mean, have you seen a really tangible reaction um, across the school community? Well, today,
2: today is our patron's feast day. and uh, So as a Catholic school, we, we, you know, we, we do make sure that our values are, are apparent, but we're a really inclusive school and we're very proud of that. We're very, very proud of that. But, but on a day like today, when it should be about celebration, uh, that the, the, the head of faith and community was really clear, actually, it's about reflection and building hope and bridges uh, between everyone. So whilst we didn't have a palpable reaction to it, there is a sense of, um, of grief and concern in our students about how they can articulate some of their angers, frustrations, worries and fears uh, in an environment whereby actually we want them to do it in school. We've got to help them to do it in school uh, in a way that is appropriate. Um, because, you know, whether whether you're a Muslim student, a Jewish student, a Christian student, whatever, I don't I don't think any educator is sat here now saying oh, we want the wanton destruction of two peoples uh, to happen. We, we've got to help our children uh, understand that those those events are horrific on both sides.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned actually before that about um, the sort of, I guess, ability of. Being able to access a mobile phone or access, access social media as a sort of outlet for students. Do you, do you think there's also like the downsides that, I mean, in your time of had teacher, you must have come across, you know, the, the good sides and bad sides of, of, of phones and technology for students?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, certainly uh, during COVID, we saw a number of students. It was a lifeline for them to access education. I think as we all scrambled around to try and make effective use of uh, of technology, um, but then equally that increased the, the the risk for other young people to be left behind and other young people to be hurt by the process of it. So I think I think technology has moved far quicker than we uh, anticipated from from an educational point of view. Um, I may be wrong there, but I think as well, COVID accelerated. It gave it almost a a super boost. Uh, And and in that time, that's when government and and our education sector, we we had a real opportunity to rethink what we wanted for contemporary education and its goal. And I don't think we grasped that. And and I think that was a a, a joint failing on everyone's part. We really needed to start the conversation around what education is to be and how technology plays its part in it. And I don't think we, we fully explore that why well i think i think firstly because um fundamentally uh, there isn't a common agreement about what the goal of education is because every time the government changes they change what the view of education is to be i think we've got to look at some yeah. other countries where they have a 10-year um uh, policy on education that's reviewed at a five-year point so that there is some stability in process and it isn't about a party it's about the government and the country so that there isn't this idea of as we've got at the moment, the reforms to A levels, which I'm sure post16 teachers just absolutely love more change on, on, on theirs, alongside this idea of us pursuing the, uh, the EBAC now with greater aggression when, when I, I, you know I can't fee, feed kids and I haven't got MFL teachers for love and the money. So you know, there is a, a disconnect between the goal and the reality and, and COVID was the opportunity for us to expose that in a, in a stronger way. And unfortunately, it didn't come off. If anybody wishes to share a comment or a
0: thought um, who is in the space now, then you can do so by just clicking the little button in the bottom left, the little um, mic button or request the speak button. If you have a thought or opinion on, on what, we're, what we've been discussing, then you can do that. Glyn, um, I've got a final, maybe two questions for you um and the first one is around if you (laughs) this is this is sort of i know how you what you're going to answer this but it'll be an interesting one all the same if you had to choose between a complete zero tolerance ban on mobile phone use in schools or a largely a, a, you know, a policy where students can use mobile phones in and around schools and classrooms, but with certain rules in place and filters and all the rest of it. And you had to choose one of those. Which would you choose? I wouldn't
2: have mobile phones in school. I just wouldn't. I, I, yeah. I think, you know, I, I think we have got to equip the young people to be able to use them. Absolutely, we've got to make sure that they are are prepared for modern life. Absolutely, but, but the, but there is no place in. In my school, for the use of mobile phones, it can't be provided by the school. At college, that might be different, and I fully respect that. In some schools, it might be different, but not in mine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And the last point I'm going to ask you is about your building. Now, you said that the building is still in the same condition it was when we spoke 18 months ago. Mm. Um, Is there anything you want to say on that to finish off? I mean,
2: I, I, I think I bore people about it. I've got to be honest with you, um, but <laughs> but it's awful. It I
0: mean, the last time we spoke, you said exactly the same thing. I can't actually. Yeah, do but it.
2: I, you know, I, I do bore people, but I'm not giving up. I really am not, and I, I you know, personally have come into some difficulties with uh, with uh, lawyers from big organisations who think I shouldn't be able to to give speak truth, as I would say, on the matter, uh, and I'm okay with that. And I'll keep going because ultimately.
0: But are the kids still, are the kids in the school still walking around like buckets?
2: Yes, stuff? absolutely. Day in, day out. Even, and you're not, you're not going to believe me, even when it doesn't rain, because there's that much water in the building that it's soaked in the entire fabric of it, that it will take days to dry out. So buckets will still be there with water coming through uh, into the buckets, even after it rains, uh, if it finishes raining. So we, we know we need a complete roof replacement. The building owners will not replace the roof. So we are caught between a contract where we are not um, part of it um, and an organisation which has uh, uh, you know, very deep pockets to fight against it.
0: I mean, the only other option I can think of is if you could change the weather. Um, I mean, olden <laughs> Weather are in the space, so maybe, they can, maybe we can ask olden Weather if they can, you
2: know... Oldham weather, Old into... weather is critical for my planning. When, when, he, when he tweets <laughs> about the weather, he's accurate every time... <laughs> He knows I say that about him and he knows the extent of the problems. You know, I haven't actually put any pictures up of our building and the leaks for about 12 months out of a a bit of a courtesy because they were they were really considering whether they were going to make significant improvements to the building to try and remove that problem. That's not come about. I have said to them the next time it rains at any um, uh, sustained level, I will be taking to Twitter because it's the only way I get any traction.
0: But has it worked? Well, have you got traction off Twitter on your roof?
2: Well, it certainly, gets, it certainly gets people involved and the media involved. It hasn't led to a, a lasting solution. But as I said to you, I'm not giving up. There's no, why, why are my children having to be in a school that leaks? You know, I, all those poor children in schools with rack concrete now, they will get a solution at some point and, and, and hopefully as swift as possible. And yet there are schools like mine and other PFI schools with such significant problems. And because we're not organised and we're not heard and we're not in the contract, it moves on.
0: Glenn, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks ever so much for, for joining me again, um, as always. No problem at all.
2: Kate, taking. Even
0: though I couldn't actually believe it was that long ago <laughs> the last time we spoke, but it was. It was quite a while ago. So thank you it's very right. much. God and bless. Speak to you again. Cheers. Yeah. Goodbye. Uh, that was Glynn Potts, who's the head te- a head teacher in Manchester uh, who is fighting rack and roof issues, and um, we were discussing mobile phone use. Um, this is the point where I ask anybody, uh, just in the last five minutes, whether you would like to share your view on mobile phone use, and whether you think that it should be, you know, um, well, whether you think it's a good thing or bad thing, basically, whether you think that it should be banned in schools, uh, whether by individual schools, whether by, obviously, the government can't ban it; they don't have the the sort of legality to be able to ban it, but if they could do you think they should? Um, or do you think it should be left to individual heads and teachers and, and schools to do that? Or, in fact, do you believe that in certain circumstances, phones can be a good thing in schools and classes? Uh, we heard from Steve Chalk earlier, who has a head teacher in his in his group of schools, who has a policy where phones are allowed in the corridors, the school, the classroom. He said results are, are high. He said that you know, the the school is impeccable and it's doing extremely well. I don't know what school this is, by the way, but, you know, and that's where it would be interesting because, yeah, the sceptic in me, um, I, I don't know whether it's my paranoia over phones and, and sort of social media, but i I don't know. There's something about their potential for causing trouble and problems and bullying and all the other ills that they can cause that, you know, I think that it's best to to keep them out of schools, basically. I mean, his view was that it's good to get students used to phones and, you know, the use of phones is good for them to handle them. It's good to them, for them to see what they're capable of. That is the real world that they're going to be exposed to. But I do wonder, you know, the counter to that would be, is it better for us to protect uh, the children up, up to the age of whatever it may be, 16, 18, maybe even beyond I don't think so, but sixteen or eighteen is it better to protect uh, children and students from you know from the dangers of technology and and the sort of pervading influence of social media and all the rest of it you know is it better to create a bubble away from that technology that will be the school or is it in fact letting those children down by not integrating that into school life? My view is that it's fine to protect them from it within that space of time. I don't see any problem with them having a period of time every day or Monday to Friday at least where they can't access a phone or at the very least it's much more difficult for them to access a phone in the way they want to access it. If anything, I think that is a very – that's just my personal opinion. It's a very positive thing. But it's interesting to hear different views on this. And I do appreciate Steve's point about – the fact that we can't close ourselves up off to technology either we can't just say you know what let's pretend these things don't exist obviously they do and i do understand his argument that you know to block access to certain technologies is potentially stopping students from integrating into the world you know i think kim's joining us which is very exciting uh, maybe she has a view on on mobile phones in schools if she can connect there she is um kim if you want to unmute yourself bottom left there you go hi
1: um so um i actually worked in one of steve's schools a number of years ago
0: there we go <laughs> and, um,
1: I'm, I'm right working in um, steve's schools now um that's just because of location issues however yeah. um in the school i'm in now we are We allow young people to use their devices at break and lunch times in and around the corridors in the social spaces. However, that in itself has caused issues. And whilst I don't think that it's a bad idea for young people like secondary, I'm talking about secondary age students here, to have access to a device to contact home or if they're in crisis, I do think that it has got out of hand and that is as a direct result of me actually being filmed by young people and put on Snapchat. So,
0: In school? Yes,
1: in school. I was filmed in school and put on Snapchat and it wasn't particularly nice. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just don't like the idea of being filmed by young people and then... Um, by anybody and then it being shared widely and then it can obviously be edited and things could be miscommunicated so personally and i also come from a bit of a unique perspective that my husband's actually a police officer and he is having to deal with the fallout of young people actually using phones in school things being spread etc i think it's gone too far and whilst i don't i'm gonna say i don't like our government i don't Think it'd be a bad thing to potentially ban them in the school and obviously have an opportunity for them to use it if necessary
0: I'm, I, just, mm. I mean Kim I don't know if you heard the chat, I think you joined yeah. maybe 20 minutes yeah. ago but with the chat with Steve, he was saying, I mean he said this in his tweet, he, he didn't, doesn't believe there's a crisis with mobile phones in schools, he thinks this is a smokescreen mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to sort of detract from other issues I'm not so sure about that, I, I think that I know, Glynn. I don't know if Glynn's still there, but Glenn was sort of saying that you know that um, uh, he doesn't think he, he agrees with Steve. Basically, he doesn't think there's a there's a there's a crisis mm. um, of mobile phone use. But I do think in I do think there are lots of issues that are under the surface yes. here. I think that uh, what 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 what's interesting is adults don't know the half of what kids smart <laughs> Smartwatches. Smartwatches is a great yep. example right? How many adults understand and know that children might have a smartwatch going mm-hmm. on in, in class? You know, probably not that yeah. many. Um, well, I say not that many. A proportion won't have any concept of that. And even the ones that do might not have the concept of how it might work or what a student might be able to do with it or whatever. Yeah. Right? So there is that sort of thing is is that sort of underworld thing. And, you know, as an example, just today, Uh, About half four... No, it was later than that. It was about half five. I went for a wander um, near where I live. And there was a group of 50 kids sort of next to the park. Now, um, I was with my girlfriend and obviously it was sort of a bit, you know, I think maybe a bit intimidating, you know, and a bit... Yeah, it's a little bit of that. But it was fine. It's fine. But my, my sort of point would be is it without social media and phones? Yeah. would they have been able to organise that <laughs>
1: meeting?
0: No, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking back. I'm just thinking back to my primary school and yeah. secondary school days. Now, like even if you said to people on the way out of school, "Meet me at five o'clock by wherever," yeah. most people just wouldn't turn up. Whereas now it's like they can. You know, it's it's so much more connected yeah. and yeah and i just wonder i just like to say yeah go on
1: i just feel that i've worked in a number i i tend to work i choose places that have quite like unique socioeconomic like diverse backgrounds and in an inner city lead school that i was in for a few years until the pandemic it was a blanket no phones just a blanket now again i'm not going to get into maths etc however that blanket mm. policy of no phones meant that young people were engaging with each other at break and lunchtime. times. So they were doing extracurricular clubs. They were so creative. There was very, very few um, incidences of um, mm. like instances of young people getting filmed, teachers, etc. cetera, because it was just a zero tolerance approach. And as a result, I don't know whether there is a link there and it could be a smokescreen, et cetera. However, in comparison to mm. the school that was next door, we were outperforming them with the same young people. And it's it's a concern that there's a distraction there. And I do think the mobile phone thing could potentially be a smokescreen for something bigger that's going on in our world, etc. But as the debate goes itself, it, you know, we, we can't ignore the fact that they are a distraction. I mean, as, as I sit with you right now, I have my iPad, my MacBook, my mobile phone on in my face. And mm. those <laughs> devices alone are all running different things. I've got a work PowerPoint in front of me and I've got a book on my, on my iPad and I'm listening to you on my phone. And if mm. that's me as an adult and an educated adult, what mm. what is what are other I mean, I'm consuming things that are you know, that I need. They're consuming things that um just yeah. so it's just how far do we take
0: it? Well, this is it, and this is where, you know, this is where sort of I, I sort of pitched that to Steve is that you know that um, it's all well and good to sort of presume, and there, there are certain. I don't know. There is that sort of presumption sometimes that you know that all the students want to use mobile phones to learn or to do something vaguely constructive, even. Whereas, you know, the reality is that that there is a lot, probably a large proportion of. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just talking anecdotally, here, right? I don't even know. Maybe most students are actually, you know, going down Wikipedia like holes like i sometimes do for like an hour and a half and actually you know just sort of reading stuff but i just get the feeling is it tiktok is it snapchat is well, it you know stuff that's just got, rubbish Basically, i've got a 10
1: year old and she has a device because i share custody with my ex-husband so so that we can con- contact each other she doesn't have social media per se but she's allowed access to an app called cap cut and she makes stupid little silly viral videos with ridiculous audios on them and whilst I can see and hear and access everything, if that's what my 10 year old is doing, I'm like, it baffles me what the rest of the young people out there are doing. And she's 10 and doesn't have access to social media. So imagine if she did, what would she get then? And yeah, so mm. a different it's a fun one.
0: It's a, yeah, it's, I, I have a feeling this debate is going to oh, roll yeah. on
1: because I don't,
0: <laughs> I don't think, and actually with ChatGPT and other AI sort of developments in the coming years, mm. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to get even more spicy because, you know, the amount that students are going to be able to do with, you know, smart technology is going to be, you know, staggering compared to like, oh, they could send a text message (laughs) on a phone. Do you know what I mean? Like that's when when I was in school, it's like, oh, someone could send a text message and it would take like three minutes for the text to go through. So you'd you'd even have to wait for like three minutes to then send it back and that would take three minutes. Do you know what I mean? So, actually, there wasn't as much threat there of sort of, you know, being able to communicate in the way they can now. Or opportunity, as some people may picture. I pitched it as a threat there. That was wrong. Some people may see that as an opportunity, that level of connectivity. It's an interesting debate. It's going to roll Isn't... on. Kim, thanks very much clear, thank um, you. for calling. It's really good. Thank you. Um, right, everyone. Unless anyone else wants to have their say, uh, we're probably going to wrap that up. Uh, it was really, really nice. Thanks ever so much, everybody. Matt. Daza, Daza, uh, Andrew, uh, Irene, Kareen, uh, and Mrs. Wu. Thank you very much to you all for uh, joining me tonight for this. This will be available as a podcast as well. If if uh, you or any of your colleagues uh, would like to listen back to it, and of course, uh, follow Teachers Talk Radio on whatever podcast platform that you use to keep up to date with all the shows that we have pinging out into the airwaves. This week, which is plentiful, by the way, I think we've got 15 shows this week in total. This is just one of them. So, um, you know, if you want something for your commute or for your commute there, commute home or uh, something to put on in the background while you're doing whatever you're doing, then, um, yeah, check it out. There might be something in there that you think, you know what, this is an interesting topic. I'm, I'm going to listen to it. Um, so thanks very much, everyone. Thanks again to Nathan as well for administrating this space. And we will see you all
2: soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.